Listener Production. US stocks post modest gains marked by the Dow Jones and its 12th consecutive day of gains, its longest winning streak in six years. And Aussie shares expected to open higher on Wednesday ahead of crucial inflation data. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Wednesday, the 26th of July. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, what a three-day window of risk events we're looking forward to. There's a lot to unpack over the course of the next couple of days. Certainly is, Tom. A lot of excitement ahead. We've got Alphabet and Microsoft releasing its results after the close. And then on top of that, we've got consumer prices being released here in Australia today, followed by the US Federal Reserve tonight and the European Central Bank on Thursday, followed by the Bank of Japan on Friday. That is spectacular context, Ryan. And I suppose uh, what that explains quite well is the price action that we saw for both US and European markets overnight they were quite contained. They weren't wanting to push the boat out when it came to risk. You saw that when it came to the way that the various indices performed. Absolutely, Tom. As you mentioned, the Dow Jones Index closed up for a 12th straight day. That's the biggest winning streak or longest winning streak since February 2017, up by 27 points or 0.1%. The broader S&P 500 index gained 0.3% and the tech-heavy Nasdaq-led indexes higher. It was up by 86 points or 0.6%. European markets in a similar fashion, their gains were fairly contained in London. The market was up by 0.2%. The French markets down by 0.2%. And the German index was up by around 0.1%. Let's just quickly reflect on the moves in interest rate markets as well. Uh, In the bond market in the US, uh, two-year treasuries, they actually traded through a reasonable range as low as 4.84% as high as 4.9, came to rest around 4.87%. A 10-year Treasury note from 3.86 at its lowest ebb in yield terms to 3.92, finished closer to its upper end of the range at 3.89%. So again, uh, with central bank decisions coming down the pipe, those interest rate markets were pensive. German bonds uh, were fairly steady. So the yield on a two-year bond, 3.02%. A 10-year bond trading around 2.41%. And what we did see last night was US consumer confidence at near two-year highs in the month of July. So we did see a response to that from bond markets suggesting that policymakers aren't done with inflation and may need to do more. So markets are now pricing in a 50% chance of a follow-up rate hike after tonight if that does play out. It's interesting, Ryan. You You get these moments in time where there is a spate of, I don't know if you'd call it optimism or positivity, but the news flow has certainly been better as far as the last couple of days are concerned. So you've had, uh, for what it's worth, the IMF upgrade global growth forecast. You've had the Chinese come out and announce non-specific, but uh, what appears to be committed stimulus measures. There seems to be this nucleus, um, at least of news that suggests that things aren't as bad as the wringing of hands and gnashing of teeth suggested several months ago. Indeed. And as you mentioned, the International Monetary Fund came out and raised its outlook for the world economy this year, estimating that risks have eased in recent months after the US averted a default and authorities staved off a banking crisis on both sides of the Atlantic. So GDP or gross domestic product, a measure of economic growth, is expected to now expand by 3% in 2023. That's a slowdown from the 3.5% growth rate last year, but it's faster than the 2.8% projection 
back in April, Tom. Look, let's just put some context around the IMF, a venerable organisation that does much good. But by the time that the news gets to this group, uh, you've had private forecasters well and truly advanced in terms of their predictions. Would you say, Ryan, and I don't mean this to be unkind, that by the time the IMF turns up with their note of paper and their numbers that perhaps the ship is leaving port in terms of... um, It's a good analogy, Tom. Certainly the horse has bolted. So (laughs) it's certainly a positive upgrade. That's the important thing. So the boffins there clearly think that some of the worst elements of the banking situation in the kindest possible way too. So if you're a boffin at the IMF... um, uh, happy Wednesday, and we're uh, sending all our best wishes to you. <laughs> we are. But what we did see last night, though, was still some ructions in the banking sector. So in the regional banking space, which we've talked about for months here, we did see shares of PacWest Bank Corp slide by about 27% after the Wall Street Journal reported that the Bank of California is in advance talks to buy the lender. So there were some concerns around that announcement. Yeah, I don't know how delighted you'd be if you were a shareholder in the Bank of California, but it speaks to the point that banking crises can have a long tail, and that's why the caution is often justified. So quickly, I want I want to get back to um, that discussion around the IMF only for the reason that these things go in cycles. So now we're not in that downgrading cycle. We're at the very least in a period of time where um, people aren't as negative, and that has uh, implications for sentiment as well. In terms of what the IMF is expecting, it's expecting the US economy to grow by a fairly healthy 1.8% this year. So if you think a few months ago, it was borderline whether the US would go into recession. Now markets are really pricing in the idea of a fabled soft landing. Look, Ryan, we're in the midst of uh, the US earnings season, which you know eight-year-olds down at the skateboard ramp know about. 3M. Uh, this is an organisation that is well known worldwide uh, for all of the products that it makes. It's had a difficult couple of years, to say the least. It's been in the midst of a very serious lawsuit for the main reason that the chemicals that it has generated in its manufacturing process, uh, they're called forever chemicals and they stay around in the environment forever. They have settled a $10.3 billion lawsuit in the United States with a range of water boards. Uh, as we would call them. And that has been seen as something of a positive, I suppose, from an organisational perspective. Let's forget about the environmental part. But uh, with that out of the way and some better than expected earnings where their uh, revenue and uh, EPS outcomes uh, didn't fall or weren't as bad as what the market had anticipated, the stock up by around 5%. It's up by uh, the better part of 12% over the course of the last couple of weeks. And to your point about the earnings, Tom, we saw shares of Packaging Corp of America up 10%. It led the mover. S&P 500 index after its second quarter results beat analyst estimates. Investment research company Miski MSCI, its shares are up about 9% after posting strong results. And we also saw General Electric shares up around 6% after its earnings blew past Wall Street expectations. So we did also see some other results which weren't quite so good. General Motors shares slumped about 4% after the automaker hiked its full-year earnings guidance, surprisingly. But overall, what we are seeing at the moment is fairly positive results. In fact, I think about 79% of companies, 130 of the S&P 500 companies have reported second quarter earnings so far, and 79% have exceeded analyst expectations, so a pretty good start to the earnings season. It's important to qualify that many of those uh, expectations were quite 
low. The bar has been easily surmounted in those cases. And it's important to note that S&P 500 earnings are now expected to decline by 7.7% for the second quarter, according to Refinitiv data. So while the overall outcomes so far have been positive, overall earnings certainly are in a downgrade phase Indeed. at the moment. There is a lot to talk about, and unfortunately, we have to prioritise our time because today we will see the release of quarterly inflation numbers at home. And Ryan, it's not overstating things to say that it's quite a pivotal moment. The expectation is that inflation is going to fall by a considerable margin. Gun to your head, what's the most important number that you're going to look at today? You've only got one number to look at. What do you look at? Well, what I'll be looking at, Tom, is the underlying or trim mean measure of inflation. So the core measure, so that strips out volatile food and energy prices, that's expected to increase by about 1.2% in the June quarter. That's the same pace as the first quarter. And that implies an annual reading of 6.1%. So while that's a deceleration from around 6.6% that we saw in the previous quarter, it's still well above the Reserve Bank's 2 to 3% target. So core services and housing costs continue to add to inflationary pressure. And that suggests inflation will overshoot the Reserve Bank's target band over the coming year. So the inflation challenge remains acute for the Reserve Bank at the moment, in my opinion. You have put that very delicately, Ryan. Um, I would say that there is very little room to move within these numbers. From the market's perspective, if you don't get something you know, at six or thereabouts, that's a bad outcome. And you could you know, see quite a bit of choppiness in the stock and bond side of things because of the scale of the work that needs to be done from here on in. Well, that's right. So the forecast for headline inflation is for a 1% increase in the June quarter. That's a yearly reading of 6.2%. That is down from 7%. But look out in these numbers for a decline in domestic and international airfares and accommodation costs. That occurred in May. Our liaison with transport analysts suggests that international airfare prices have been pretty stable over the quarter. Also falling or easing fuel and petrol prices have been a key driver of annual deceleration. So we think that a print in line with our expectation would support a Reserve Bank hike in August, mm. but any downside surprise will likely be taken as a reason to extend its recent pause while retaining a tightening bias. Uh, I suppose from a trader's perspective, right, you always want to know where is that friction point in these numbers? Is a 6.2 core number um, getting away with it, but still in the heart of hearts, quite cautious. 5.9 core, difficult to visualise, to be honest, but that would actually be very encouraging. Anything under six may enable the Reserve Bank some cover to pause. Yep, and that's really what it is, is getting the justification for the rather dovish approach that they've taken over the course of the last couple of months. And the jobs market remains strong. Yep. We saw over 30,000 jobs added, wages growth, from Seek, their advertised salary index was released yesterday, 4.5% year-on-year growth for wages. So Australia's lagging the US. US has seen wages begin to ease. Conditions in their labour market are deteriorating a little bit. Ours still remains very firm at the moment with strong population growth. We saw a reasonable improvement yesterday with the market up by about a half of 1%, the feature being that materials and energy stocks were the most improved, reflecting the stimulus measures that have been uh, suggested by the Chinese Politburo in the last day. The futures at the moment are indicating that the ASX 200 will kick off with a gain of a quarter of a percent. 
uh, a pensive note would be anticipated in the start of trade ahead of these inflation figures at 11.30. Well, China's pledged to step up policy support for its economy lifted sentiment yesterday. We saw Asian bourses up quite sharply and that led to a rally in commodities in particular. So we saw a continuation of all prices hitting three-month highs overnight. So the US oil NYMEX price rose by 1.1% to 79.63 US dollars a barrel. We also saw gold up slightly by 0.1% to 1963.70 US dollars an ounce. And iron ore futures were up 0.2% to 112.72 US dollars a tonne. We saw strong performances yesterday from those iron ore miners like Fortescue, for example. So today, outside the Consumer Price Index, which is released at 11.30am Australian Eastern Standard Time, importantly, Rio Tinto releases earnings results later today. We also get production results from Beach Energy, Mineral Resources and Perseus Mining. ALS hosts an annual general meeting and Premier Investments pays investors its dividend. And of course, tonight, Tom, we've got the US Federal Reserve's interest rate decision to look forward to with a 25 basis point rate hike expected. And not to forget the Aussie dollar, which rose from 67.52 US cents to 67.92 US cents and is currently trading at 67.9 US cents. And just in case you haven't noticed, uh, we're making effort of trying to get this to you a little earlier, so uh, it's uploaded by 7 o'clock, which means that we're up a little earlier, Ryan, which we love, of course. Have a great day. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067-254-399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.